Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to this, the Gunners Town Pub. We are virtual. We're in the virtual pub tonight. It's me, Suburban Guna, uh, Chris, uh, to my friends. Uh, you can call me whatever you want. I know that Dave Seeger normally does uh, about and all manner of other things. So uh, he's joining me tonight. Say hello, Dave. Hello, everybody. Been a while. What are you drinking, mate? I, I came straight on off the match. I'm in an upstairs bedroom, so I haven't even been down to get a drink. Oh, Sorry. that is terrible. So you've walked into the virtual pub and you've got your, you've done, you've done the equivalent of, oh, I haven't got any virtual money. So I have never been known to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm, on a strict, I'm on a strict training regime anyway. No alcohol. Yeah, really? No. <laughs> Oh, right, okay. I was going to say you're going to be a, you're going to be a barrel last in the virtual pub. Um, as is Murph in and Murph, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Good afternoon, everyone. I am drinking um, something called Halcyon, which is from uh, Thornbridge. It's an IPA. I, I do have to say very quickly. I don't know if anybody from Camden Brewery listens, but Thornbridge are uh, a beer sponsor to Sheffield Wednesday, and they have a special beer they brewed, a session ale called the Wednesday. And I would like to, once we return to the stadium, see Camden come up with the Arsenal. Uh, oh, red in colour, a nice, a nicely brewed beer. Anyway, good I've idea. done my plug. Sure. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Good idea. I like the sound of that. And uh, joining us as well is uh, our man Olaf from uh, South Africa. Olaf, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Chris. Hi, Merv. Hi, Dave. Pleasure to be with you. Um, I'm having drink. a... I wasn't going to drink anything because I've still got to go drive somewhere. But after that game, I thought, stuff it. So I'm having a double gin and tonic. Uh, so we're <laughs> on. <laughs> we need something with a percentage, don't we? We need something with a percentage. And ladies and gents, boys and girls, mine is a pint of soul I'm going for today. But I also have an emergency pint of, a pint of uh, rum and coke as well. Because let's face it, after what we've just had to go through, um, football is mental, isn't it? Let's start with Olaf. Football is mental. Give us your hot take in the uh, the post-match pub. Oh, before you say anything, um, if you're listening to us live on Facebook or YouTube, then please put stuff in the comments. We will read them out. We will discuss them, debate them and dissect them. But Olaf, hot take for this evening, please, or this afternoon. I think that um, I think that I was most probably the most shocked to have seen us uh, where we were after the first 45 minutes. I think it was abysmal. Um, and I think that that's been um, um, generous. Um, especially the first half hour was atrocious. Um, and that's why I've also changed my name today to no big match temperament. I think that's my hot take. I think every game in the Premier League, especially where we are now, if we still want to claw our way up the table um, and to be in the European positions and not rest everything on, on the Europa League, my hot take is I, I, it, there was a complete and total lack of big match temperament of nearly every single player in the squad. Um, other than one or two that I'll talk about a bit later. But that's my hot yeah. take. I think that they were just absolutely not up for it, awake and, and ready to get going from the moment the whistle blew. It was just bizarre. Like, it was bizarre and enraging. I think it was – I messaged my brother because we call this the uh, the family derby because my uh, my brother and his um, one half of my family are West Ham fans. And so it's never nice. It's a bit like the North London derby for us. Obviously, that was big, but – I described it to my brother as un it was one of the most unprofessional um, performances at half time. I'd said this to him, one of the most unprofessional performances I've seen from an Arsenal team in a long, long time. We've seen the individual mistakes. We've seen the uh, shooting ourselves in the foot. But for me, that was just that was just terrible. So for me, my hot take was first half was one of the most unprofessional performances that I've seen. And the second half 
we actually looked at electric and that man martin odegaard we'll talk about individual performances in a minute but dave um, give us your hot take please well just to see we all want to have something different my hot take is um and i've been trying to convince myself this isn't the case i've been writing articles saying it, he can do it abamyang we can't play four two three one with abamyang up front that end of you know after, after today you know he, he he can't do it through the middle so he put him out wide and we can't play wide so if, we, if we're going to have abamyang as our captain and our team we have to play a different formation because he can't play wide in a three and he can't play out front on his own He's shone yeah. in the four-three-three. He's shone in the with three at the back on the when we're playing breakaway football and switching the play. When we set up to play for him, he's shone. When he's part of a team in this formation, he can't hack it. And I don't want to yeah. say that, but he can't. Yeah, That's it was a, it, it weren't great, was it? Like Abamian probably when we get to the low lights, a lot of us will probably be agreeing on that. But again, uh, Marius David on uh, on Facebook has had some choice words saying Abamian was effing shocking. Um, and I think it's uh, it's hard to really um, really disagree. Um, Steve Brown on Facebook has also said, I hope the manager sees whether we're a better team without Shaka. I'm not so sure about that, Steve, personally. Um, I don't think Shaka was amazing today, but there was a lot of questionable performances. Um, I'll tell you what is interesting. Sorry to interrupt you on that subject, though. Yeah. That's the very first time at the end of the game that Shaka has been the one taken off and not part yeah. He's Man, that, is, that is a defining moment for me, that Partey yeah. stayed on for 90 minutes and Shaka was taken off when we needed to get something out of the game. That's never happened. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, Merv, let's, uh, let's just square off this circle then. Um, hot take from your perspective. Hot take. Uh, it was like one of those lunchtime games where we joke about the fact that, that they set their alarms late. Um, the first, I won't write off the whole of the first. Clock's changed next week. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say half hour. The first half hour was just abysmal. I, I know there were changes in defence. Mari came in. I know Chambers. And there was a reason for bringing Cullen Chambers in. But they just, there seemed to be no understanding. Um, that. Yeah. That we were getting caught, you know, Kieran Tierney didn't look on his game. He seemed a bit more concerned, you know, with the players around him. Um, and I just think there was, it was, it, it seemed a case of too many changes. Having said that, at no stage, even when they scored the third, did I think we're going to get nothing out this game. I don't know why, blind optimism over the years. Um, but I think that the, there were changes and the kind of Aubameyang starting on the right and Saka on the left. And I wasn't quite sure. I, I think Arteta kind of tinkered a bit too much at the beginning. Mm. And it was left to the players pretty much to work it out for themselves in real time. Yeah, it did feel like that. Do you know what was odd was, um, for me, starting off Aubameyang on that right-hand side, just it sounded mm. like it was just, yeah, it was a bit too... Bit too much tinkering, like, and we switched within about twenty minutes. We'd switched back to Abamyang on the left. Not that it made any difference. Um, I think Abamyang was pretty poor um, throughout, actually, um, and I didn't think he he was that great. And I'll tell you what, let's um, let's get on to some let's 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 talk about some highlights first, though, because um, I think we'll get to Abamyang because I think football is just mental. I don't even know how to digest this game because sometimes I think football. I, I, I often try and break down football as a quite a binary thing. It's either we played really, really well or we played absolutely terribly. And Dave, I'll go to you on this one. So like, where do you even start to compartmentalise this as a performance? And let's start with your highlight, I guess. Well, the, the highlight, you know, it'd be, it'd be easy to pick out Callum Chambers and it, and it was a yeah. highlight how well he played. And, and I had a, 
the conversation, why is he in the team with someone? I said, because he's a great crosser of the ball. And I said that in the first minute and, you know, lo and behold, you know, two goals. But the highlight for me um, was Martin Odegaard again. I mean, he, he, uh, there's a guy from a, a tiny little pod called Clive, you know, he, uh, yeah. he tweeted during the day, like some small pod, I'm not sure what it's called, but he tweeted <laughs> during the game that it's the whole team is looking to Odegaard, even the senior players. He is running that team. Um, and my response was, let's hope he's willing to buy and can be convinced in this is a project he wants to be part of. Because even if we have the money, he's got to be convinced that this team next season is he wants to be part of it. And I think we will find the money. But if we don't find the money, uh, oh, sorry, if we find the money and he's not convinced, then I would be devastated because he is that good. That is yeah. a highlight. He's a highlight every week. It was Saka at the beginning of the season. It's now Odegaard. You know, I can't believe yeah. we were even debating whether Odegaard or Smith uh, Smith Rowe should play in the middle when you look at Odegaard the last three weeks. Unbelievable. Yeah. The man is absolutely Absolutely bossing the show. Jonathan King on Facebook has just said Chambers and Odegaard superb today. I don't think you're gonna Jonathan, I don't think you're gonna get a single person on this uh, this virtual pub today that's gonna disagree with you there. Both of them are absolutely uh-huh. brilliant. But um Olaf, uh, so let's have your highlight then. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with Dave. I think, uh, like a metronome, from uh, from very early on in the first half, I think Erdogan uh, stood head and shoulders above everybody else. And whatever was happening creatively going forward, um, he was absolutely pivotal to to starting it. And in in certain cases, linking up with other players and and, and making it uh, as threatening as it was. So short and sweet. Uh, I'm 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 rubber stamping Mr. Seeger's uh, uh, comment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I just love the way that like, everything just flows through him, but also his ability in tight spaces to shift his weight. And he, what absolutely fascinated me today about Erdegaard is he could be surrounded by three players, and I'm now starting to, to feel so confident that he's not losing the ball. And in fact, I think he might have lost the ball like once in the entire game or maybe twice. And when that happened, I was really surprised. He just, he jinxed his way through players and he's got that vision and that pass. And he was, he saw very, very quickly today that Chambers was getting a lot of joy. And I think it's interesting because in the Burnley game, I don't think Chambers um, overlapped that much. I think he very much tucked in. And, you know, it was all about Burnley and their aerial threat and his defensive side of the game. But as soon as we went down to 3-0 and we realised that we had to attack, we saw a, a Cullen Chambers that I've generally, I'm a fan of Chambers, I have not really seen that much of. Like, I was expecting the defensive solidity James side of it, Chambers, but actually, Chris, a performance like that going forward, he was also gone. I left. I was wondering um, again during the during the game why Real Sociedad uh, raved about Erdogan when he was on. I think it was Real Sociedad where he yeah. was on boat, um, and I was and, and and they put together this lovely video when he left and came in uh, uh, signed and loaned with us as an example. And I can absolutely see why because he just. I thought okay maybe Sociedad were a pretty poor team and therefore having a great player like or a good player in their midst like from Real Madrid. Was, was something. But if I just look at it again today, it, it's like you can absolutely understand it when we've got some pretty talented players around uh, around the park, um, and yet he still stood head and shoulders above everybody else. And and the other irony today was, and, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm so pleased for Chambers that he's had an awesome game, 
but we end up going more down the right than our historical attacking down the left with great gusto and where a lot of our goals have come from. And that changed today, whether it was tactical or whether it was it just happened. Also concerned me slightly because we, we can, I always would put a, a dollar down saying we'll get something if we go down the left. But today we hardly even ventured down there in comparison to how much we were venturing. Well, it's, great to, have, it's great to have that variety because teams will work us out. If we go to Tierney every yeah. time, we need that variety. And by the way, before you go to Merv, one, there's, a, there's, a, there's a descriptive word for what you were describing earlier, Chris, in the Arsenal Dictionary about Odegaard. It's yeah, called Cazorla-esque. It's called Cazorla-esque. Oh, and that ability to, to, jink, to jink out of situations where you think he's not going to retain the ball. It's called Cazorla-esque. Yeah, and he's 22 years old. <laughs> I mean, the, the hope is there. I mean, James Wood on uh, Facebook has said, my brother's girlfriend's auntie's mm. friend's dog said Odegaard is staying, dot, dot, dot. No, he ain't. Come on, James, get on the bus. Have some, uh, have some positive. Let's, let's, let's project our virtual pub positivity through to Arsenal. Make sure they get the deal done. Merv, let's talk about yeah. the match briefly then, because I get the feeling we're sort of touching on Chambers and Erdegaard. So I get the feeling it's out of those two. Who would you select? Yeah. Let's have a quick sort of round robin on who you'd select as your your man of the match. Okay, I I I would select Erdegaard because he, he made everything happen. He, he Everything went through him, as we said, the more experienced players. Today was a day when I felt, I think I said in the um, the hot take, they almost had to work it out for themselves. I'm sure, I'm sure Arteta was shouting from the touchline, but it's almost like they worked out pretty early that if you give it to Erdegaard, he will find the space, make the space, he'll pick a pass the opposition are not expecting. He'll instantly see a pass that the opposition hadn't covered. Um, and so I think... I didn't, it, it, it was kind of down to him, but I, I, I feel there was a team ethic there to kind of drag us back into this game. There was, It was a kind of game once West Ham got the third when some of the more established players could have just kind of dropped their heads and earned their pay from just kind of not, not conceding anymore. But I think it was the younger players led by Odegaard who really, really kind of yeah, saw a way back. I yeah. think, oh, come on, I, think, I do think I do think none of us should mention him, but I mean, Lacazette was literally, oh, yeah. that's the best, that's the best he's played this season. He was, he yeah, was his yeah. hold up play, his his turns, his fighting spirit when he lost the ball. You know, it was like, if you look, Aubameyang there and Lacazette there, Aubameyang must be watching that and thinking, I should, he should be thinking, I'm embarrassed here. I'm embarrassed. That's my mate. And he's just literally putting twice as much effort in as me. And it's, it's really, you know, how can you not, as a captain of Arsenal, feel embarrassed by your effort when you're seeing that much effort from Lacazette. Unbelievable. Yeah, it just didn't, but it just didn't work with Aubameyang on the left. And as you said, Dave, like, can't, he can't play. We can't play this formation with him there. Not when we've got other players there. Well, particularly uh, when Smith-Rowe and Pepe are both in, in great form, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Pepe so came on and looked good as well, actually. Like, I think, like I said, you're right. Like I said, a really good game. Um, Paul Hepker, Mr. Mitzelblog of this parish, um, is uh, chimed in on Facebook saying he deserves man of the match. Personally, Paul... I would say I'd have it between Chambers and Erdogan because I think they influence more than Lacazette. However, what I will say is that, you know, I think we're all in agreement that Lacazette was, he was absolutely brilliant today. Like he was, there were so many, in that second half, there were so many good performances, but, but we've got to move on to some of the lowlights, lads, because let's be honest, we've drawn 3-3 against the West Ham team that we carved apart in the second half. So we can, in me, in my head, the ending of a game, you, you draw a game 3 all. And, and you do just look at it on paper and you think, 
oh, you know, is that a good performance? Well, that's not great. You know, we probably need to be getting wins against teams like this if we've got any kind of ambition to finish into the Europa League spots. And if you just look at it on paper and you don't see the way that it played out, I mean, it's it wasn't great. So we're going to have to go through those low lights. I'll start with you, Olaf. Um, uh, give us your uh, give us your low light then uh, of the uh, of the game. Um, I was looking at the whole game, and again, I think other than the one burst that he had towards the end, I thought uh, that I'm, that I'm talking about David Luiz in particular. I, I think that he didn't have a very good game at all. His uh, his defensive positioning wasn't particularly great. I think that uh, the long balls that he was trying to reach people behind the defence of West Ham, they were not coming off. In fact, they were generally quite astray. In fact, in some instances, they were like a projectile going right almost over the stadium, as an example. Um, I think that the so I think in general terms, I think that the the, the defensive setup. Uh, wasn't geared for the likes of a Lingard as an example um, with what he was capable of and an Antonio with his ability to hold up the ball and bring their midfield into play where they generally are quite uh, uh, ruthless as well uh, if they cho uh, choose to be. So I would, I, I would, I, that's kind of where I would, would uh, plant my flag in the sand and say, I think defensively and by that I also mean central midfield defensively or I'd, I'd I'd put that as, as probably we were caught offside and I don't think we were in the right frame of mind. But then again, um, I don't think some of the guys in the defence uh, were absolutely up to it. Um, and that put us on the back foot instantaneously, as you know. So yeah. um, that's kind of where I put it. Yeah, so for me, I thought there were some performances which I wasn't too impressed with. I didn't think Pablo Mari had a very good game today. I thought he looked hesitant at times. Um in the in the closing stages of the game where Callum Chambers, Jesse Lingard nearly walked the ball into the goal and Callum Chambers has just knocked it away. Pablo Mari was just absolutely done for that. I think he's one of the culprits for the second goal that they conceded. And Dave, let's just talk about that just for a second because I don't know what your thoughts were, but when you watch the replays and see seven Arsenal players not even looking at the ball, it's atrocious. It's like 11-year-old stuff, isn't it? I don't know where it changed, though, because you remember that time when Henri took that quick free kick and he had to ask the referee's permission to take it against Villa and all the Villa yeah. players were up in arms. He didn't. And the referee said, no, I gave you permission to take when they weren't ready. When did that change on the edge of the penalty area? Because I don't think I do think you're right, but I don't think many teams would have been expecting that. And uh, I don't know. When did it change? Because he used to have to ask the referee's permission to take a quick free kick when it was in that sort of position. I don't know when it changed. But on the low light. You know, it's a Murray thing, and I what Merv's uh, sorry, I love saying about the defence. The low light there is the team selection because mm. whilst I've been shouting about the need to rotate and the fact that we're so lucky, and Arteta's very lucky to have good players informed that he can rotate, you know, in attack, wide areas, even in you know, central midfield, El Neni's never letting us down, so he can rotate. I've now decided after today. He can't rotate the central defensive partnership. He's doing it too much. Mary's played well, but he played four or five games in a row with, with Holding or with Louise. He's decided Louise is his go-to man. That's his seventh or eighth game in a row. He should have stuck with Gabriel. In, in hindsight, I just think at this stage of the season, rotate everywhere else, but just play Gabriel, Louise and Tierney and yeah. literally you know, rotate everyone else. Those three, I think you have to keep. And I think that's yeah, the low line. It's the, it's the, there was no need to rotate Gabriel um, with, when we've got an international break, you know, there was no need. Uh, Dan, can I just ask you a quick question? 
Do you are you a little bit worried the fact that Louise is playing so much that he's going to end up getting another year deal? No, he's already said he's going to give him another year deal. Really? You know, as far as I'm concerned, he's definitely staying next season if he wants it. Yeah, um, and I think he's going to, you know, the potential to go into the coaching, you know, because he's so valuable around the dressing room. But I think the year deal is if, if Louise is will accept that he's basically not going to be a starter, he'll get another deal. Is what I understand. Um, so he won't be a starter. But right now, he, you know, Holding hasn't done a lot wrong, but he does seem to be going to David Luiz. And David Luiz has, since that terrible mistake four or five weeks ago, has played faultlessly. Um, yeah. And I don't necessarily agree with Olaf. I thought he, he, had a, he had a solid game today. I think Mary was, was weak. But, you know, we're, none of us are giving any credit to how good West Ham were in the first half. You know, it wasn't only us being bad. They were very, very good. They're well above us in the league for a reason. You know, I would have loved Ben Rama at Arsenal. Jesse Lingard's a quality player. These are, you know, and Antonio, you take in any, any, you know, if he was fit all the time, you take him in your team. This is a good side. You know, it's not, we were embarrassing, but they were very, very good. Let's not forget. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Adam, uh, Adam uh, Kinn on the, uh, on the Facebook has said, could Erdegaard be the new Burkamp? Oh, that's high praise indeed, Adam. Let's not uh, let's not touch him with that brush just yet until uh, until we've got him signed, sealed, and delivered next season. Eh? But uh, Merv, let's um, yeah. let's just finish it off the low lights that you can think of that we haven't already kind of talked about. So we've talked about Mari. Um, I actually think that Luis was okay as well. I thought we he had a yeah. decent enough game. Um, any other low lights from your perspective, Merv? I um. I think the guys have touched upon all of them. Um, I think that I'm, I'm loath to say Burnt Leno, but there have I was been just going to say that's the one I didn't think. Yeah, there are one, there are two or three times recently when, and I know he's had a changed defence in front of him. Um, I, two or three times recently when I felt that that he could have done better. I mean, he made he made a great save late on, but yeah, there have been two or three goals of late that that yeah, I, I feel he should have stopped and. I don't know if he doesn't feel under pressure for his place. Um, I don't know if it's the constant changing evolving around him, you know, the, the right back or the right defence changes every game and stuff. But it, he seemed unsure. I think that... Well, he also, he, he they, said, they do say, Merv, that a keeper should yeah. never be beaten at his near post through his legs. No, and that's no. exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alan, think, Ruff, Alan Ruff never lived that down for people of our age. True, true. I think... I literally have no idea who he was a Scotland goalkeeper. That happened against Wales. Went through his legs at the near post. Yeah, I, he was a, a, a laughing stock. He was a laughing stock. I, <laughs> I agree with Dave about the free kick thing. In that, normally, you know, the the, the ref gets his his aerosol out and starts marching ten paces to put the wall. So I didn't see when I saw it in replay a couple of times. I didn't see an obvious signal to take the free kick. No, uh, I didn't having see. said that, all somebody can do, like Luis Omar, is stand in front of it, in which case he gets booked for blocking it. You know, it's kind of... Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know the laws completely, but but, but I, it, it seems strange to me because there's such a fuss made of free kicks 20 yards or so out with a measuring... Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe someone and, watching can put it in the comments yeah. if they know the rule. Yeah, I, mean, I, I honestly don't. That the, the free kick is at the, at, at the referee's discretion. In other words, he blows for it. That's kind of the default position, unless you make an arrangement, as you were saying, Dave, uh, where where an well, neither of those ha neither of those happened, did they? No, exactly. And that's and, and I think that that uh, and that was the flabbergasting part is is over and above. We were completely switched off. The then the issue was was that actually allowed? And then the other big issue was the position that they took the free kick from wasn't at the point of where the foul is. And one of the pedantic things about the referees this year is that A, he's got not, ball's not got to be moving, and B, 
it's got to be taken from a particular point where the infringement occurred in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah it was it's a hard one. Do you know what? Can I ask you guys a question, actually? So last weekend, we got... That's why you're here, Chris. That's why I'm here. That's, that's <laughs> why I do occasionally. I do do useful things. But um, Last weekend, we got a penalty because Lacazette was fouled after the incident, right? When the ball was hooked off the line, Fabianski absolutely cleans him out. Can somebody... Actually, I'll start with you, Merv, and then maybe the other guys can chip in. Can you tell me why that's not a penalty? Do you remember what I'm talking about? He's on mute. You're on mute, Merv. Am I? Yeah. Hello. You're, you're back can you now. hear me? Go on. Yep. Um, I'll tell you what it is. I'm moving my phone because my AirPods keep trying to connect to the phone. Um, the, 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 I don't know is the short answer. Um, I, I know last week I, I felt it was a penalty. I went back to something from kind of 1970, 71. Uh, the first time I learned that you can kick someone when the ball's not exactly in play and it's a penalty. Um, yeah. But but the I um, I thought that it was clearly a foul. I mean, there wasn't a big fuss made about it, um, and and I don't know if it's different refereeing, different interpretation. I again, I, I can't give you a specific reason why last week was given and something like that wasn't. I think okay. more interestingly, Lacker, Lacker obviously thought he was fouled before he shot though. Mm. Yeah. Two foul tugged him. Yeah. He decided not to go down, carried on, tried to dink it over Fabianski, which he did brilliantly, and obviously was cleared off the line. But I think Lacazette was then looking at the referee saying, OK, I'll carry it on, play here, but you must have seen that. Uh, and yeah, that's what Lacazette was saying. Yeah, I did actually. That was one incident where it's kind of, you know, the other strikers we know from other teams not too far away yeah. from us would have just gone yeah. straight down. The moment there was the tug there, it had been it had been flying. But it's hard to know what to do for the best because Lacazette never goes down, right? Pepe yeah. was on the pitch twenty minutes, went down like a sack of potatoes three times, every time looking for a penalty, and the referee's just laughing at him. So I don't, you know, and and I was laughing at Pepe. He may well have been fouled, but because he just goes down like that, I didn't, you know. Whereas Lacazette soldiered on, tried to make the chance, and, and doesn't get the award when I thought it was a penalty. So who'd be a referee? Yeah, who'd be a referee? Olaf. So um, some of the subs that he made. Uh, so what did we have? We had um, Emma Smith-Rowe came on and we had yeah. Pepe came on. I will say I actually think Pepe did quite well. Um, you know, we were in the second half and it's probably just in-game narrative, to be honest with you. You know, you're, we're basically losing 3-0. We pull one back before half-time and Arteta said to them, well, you better go for this now because you're all idiots and you've buggered <laughs> this up. So you better go for this. And that's exactly what we did. Um do you think these, from a subs point of view, do you think the subs, each of the subs did well? So we had Emil Smith Rowe, uh, we had uh, Pepe, and then I think a tacit admission from uh, Arteta was that Aubameyang just didn't work because he brought on Martinelli, who, who let's be late. honest, mm -hmm. uh, he's, had him, uh, he's had him in the cold. So what, what, what's your thinking there, Olaf? Yeah, I'm, 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 I was fully in support of uh, Smith Rowe coming on, um, as well as with, with Pepe. Um, he, and, and I agree with Dave that he kept falling like a like a, a sack of potatoes. I would have left those two maybe for a couple of minutes later, and most probably brought on Martinelli first and foremost um, for Aubameyang at the first change, and then put them on the back foot. So in other words, you still had the Xhaka and you still had the party um, playing, and and so on, and 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 the rest of the midfield. 
but I think that, uh, so yes, I, I agree with the, 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 the players he's brought on, but I'm sure we would have turned it around and, and brought on Martinelli instantaneously. In fact, I would have brought him on Masrobi at about the 55-minute 50, mark latest already because his yeah. speed, like Lingard was against us in the first half, uh, could have caused quite a lot of damage had he been given more time on the pitch. It's interesting because I thought that, that Giles, formerly of this Paris, tweeted straight after substitution that everyone's been talking about the possibility of Odegaard and Smith Rowe playing together, but not in the positions they have been. There has been talk, obviously, when we're playing lesser teams, whether we could actually play four, one, two, three, and actually play Partey sitting with Smith Rowe and Odegaard. And we, I thought we were going to sort of see that, and we did for a while, and then obviously jinxed it up again with Martinelli coming on. But that, that's interesting. I, I mean, I don't personally think he's going to be brave enough for that often, but chasing a game mm. to have that, you know, double creativity, certainly interesting. Um, you know, not yeah. many teams would want to, we want to be dealing with Smith Rowe and Odegaard on the edge of their penalty area, finding those you know little neat passes. Yeah, it's um, the way in which that that's panned out, um, and with Smith Rowe and Odegaard, I've just found fascinating. I'm, I'm with you, Dave. Like we all got, we've all been very excited with Smith Rowe, and he's been brilliant. But you just see the way that Odegaard dictated the game in that second half. In the first half, he was barely able to get into it. I mean, I didn't even realise Aubameyang and and um, and uh, Lacazette were even on the pitch uh, up until uh, Lacazette had scored his goal because we just we just weren't anything from an offensive point of view. Sky put up a, a stat after about fifteen minutes, which showed like passes in the final third, and it was like zero. Three yeah. Arsenal zero. I mean, that was just that was just unacceptable. But ultimately, we've come away um, with. A draw, and um, just as we sort of start to round off the the pod today, Merv. So, do you do you see that as a point gained, uh, points lost, opportunity missed? Where do you sort of stand now? Having we've had what forty odd minutes since uh, since the uh, the game's finished. Um, God. Well, it's one of those. It's kind of you know uh, at kickoff for me. It's a it's two points dropped, but after thirty minutes, it's a point gained. Um, it's I, th I think that the, the I, I wouldn't say I've given up on the league, but I, I don't expect us to finish. Certainly not the top four, and I don't think the top five or six. So it's yeah. I mean, it's the Europa League. Um, I Always. guess is their best chance. But so I, I think it, it, it's one of those games where at the end of it, I felt quite happy uh, because we got the third goal back. A bit annoyed we didn't then get a fourth in the last two or three minutes. Uh, but clearly from the, yeah, at the kickoff, I, I, I expected nothing less than a win. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, it, it's one of those. It started off as, I suppose, dropped and then gained. But, but it, it, had you told me before kickoff, it's going to be an exciting game, a draw, it's going to go both ways, then, you know, uh, three night days after a European game, a tough European game, I might have said okay. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I'd rather come back from three 0 down uh, to draw three all than uh, to go three 0 up and 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 yeah and end up with a with a point at the end. I mean, West Ham fans will be pretty sick tonight. But Dave, where where do you stand on it? Well, let's be proud. Let's. I mean, obviously, I'm disappointed we didn't win today, and I thought we were going to win before the game. And as Merv said. In the position we were in, you take it. But let's take a step back. You know, before the North London derby and, and Benfica, it was you know it was the biggest week ever, and then it was the biggest week ever when we were playing the next round. You know, if you'd said to me 
home against Spurs, away against West Ham, home against Liverpool, seven points, I would have taken it. Yeah. So we've got a point away from home. We've won at home. So we have to beat Liverpool next week. And then seven points from three teams, all of whom be better than us all season, all above us. You'd have to say that's a good haul. Sit seven from nine against three teams above us. And then we move up. You'd take it. But yes, you have to feel disappointed. Yeah, I think from half my day, but half time you'd be you'd bite your hand off for a point. You know? Do you know what? Just on that day, so in my head, like for me, I'm a bit like Merv in that. For me, the league season is pretty much done. It, and, and yeah, I'm, when not with I, you. I'm not. I'm not in that camp. Ah, uh, see, I, I think it is. I think it's done. And um, I went for a walk earlier, and the wife said, um, "So, what does it mean if they win today?" And I was like, "Well, they'll finish. They'll be tenth. It seems like every week um, I get asked the question by the wife." Um, so what what happens if they win today or if they lose or they draw? And I say, well, if they win, they'll they'll finish. They'll be tenth at the end of the day. If they draw, they'll be tenth. If they lose, they'll be tenth. So yeah, but had, it's a bit... Chris, had we won those three games, and we, you know we yes. haven't now, but if we'd won those two and we beat Liverpool, I reckon we would be eighth. And our next two games against the bottom three, Fulham and Sheffield yeah. United. So if we'd won three and we were eighth with two games against the bottom three to play, then would you still say the league season's over? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, for me, more than anything else, it's about momentum. Like, you don't want to go into European games on the back of a losing streak or, you know, not winning games. So that's why I'm looking at the league and thinking that's why I want to pick up wins. I'm not really looking at the table for a, we're going to qualify for Europe. I'm just thinking, let's just keep that momentum. So, Merv, just as we sort of round, sorry, not Merv, Olaf, just as we round up then tonight, where, where, where are you standing in terms of that, in terms of our league campaign so far, in terms of today, whether that was a point lost or, uh, sorry, a point gained or uh, or three lost? Um, I'm going to go with, uh, with the rest of the gentlemen and say it's two points lost, or in other words, I was expecting three. Um, but I think that if you see it in context of, of, of Thursday, where we ended up losing, but we stole through to the quarterfinals, um, and then, of course, uh, the Spurs win, um, it, I, I suppose we can't really complain. Um, but I think it was, it was the reality check of that first half an hour. I mean, I was mm -hmm. sitting here all relaxed. I had family over earlier for coffee and cake, and I hadn't seen you know, my mom in such a long time and whatever. And I was like really upbeat, but within that half an hour, I was like incredibly dejected to the point of going, do I actually uh, WhatsApp everyone and go, I'm not feeling well and didn't want to come and have this discussion. So I'm going to go with the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cross all our mind. Cross all our mind. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go with it's a point game, uh, although it should never, ever, ever have been uh, like that. And again, I think that uh, not, we don't have enough time, but I do believe that we, as a, as a collective, could have had a very serious discussion around team selection and tactics, and that is purely on the, on the shoulders of the manager and, and his yeah. support staff. Because we always talk yeah. about the players, but, but, but we don't ever talk about that enough, I think, sometimes here, even within the virtual pub. So, but that could be for another day. Yeah, I mean, I think just, on, just, just to round that one up then, um, I think he did get a few things wrong, but I think actually, so Chambers in a right back, that's the, you know, that tactically, that absolutely worked a, a, a treat. Um, Aubameyang on the left didn't work. I didn't think Thomas Partey had a particularly great game. I think Kieran Tierney, yeah. Tierney was subdued. I thought Pablo Mari was a, was quite poor. And as Dave, you mentioned earlier, you know, he's, he's got to stop chopping and changing all the centre-halves because it's not working, um, all of this rotation. Um, but I think it was a mentality from a tactical point of view 
I could kind of get it, apart from, you know, the Aubameyang thing, we've seen it before, but it doesn't work. But from a tactical point of view, I just I think it was just mentality. And that's actually, that comes back on the manager more than, you know, the, his, his lineup and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, um, we are where we are. We're a mid-table team. We've okay. finished three goals. I can't wait for this season to get thin. Have I got time to ask a question back of everyone then, on. on that mentality okay. point? Go for it. Well, I know it's an old thing. We rehash it and we talk about it again and again. But, you know, when you've had the likes of Adams and Vieira and Fabregas leading your team, it does make a difference. So yeah. is it time to make a massive decision if you're Arteta? Because when, you, when you're when you not starting a game well and when the chips are down, not do it, wait, you don't have to wait till half time to get into your manager to tell you. There needs to be mm. someone who's going to step up and take the game by the scruff of the neck. And Odegaard is that player right now. We can't make him captain. But is there a, is there a time to say, OK, look, Kieran, it's yours. You know, you're the best player yeah. we've got. You play every game. You're the one who never stops running or someone. You know, like when, when Obe didn't play uh, the other day, he gave it to Lacazette. Lacazette never stops running, even if he has a bad game. At least if you have a bad game, you want to know that somebody's going to never stop putting in 100%. And Aubameyang, much as he's a mercurial talent when he wants to be, he just isn't the player who should be a captain of our club. Yeah, it's not that it was, type of footballer. No, it was a uh, it was a classic. Um, you know, back in the day when Thierry Henry was made captain, basically just because he's the he's the goal scoring talisman. Thierry Henry wasn't an yeah. amazing captain. Let's be honest. No, he, he was just given the honor by It's all it sounds very very similar. Murph, where do you stand from that perspective on a mentality leadership perspective? I, I'm i not a great fan of strikers as captains because no. great strikers have to be very selfish. Or keepers. Keepers as captains keepers. as well doesn't make sense. Yeah, you need somebody on the pitch who can lead by example, who's vocal, who, who shouts, kind of fist waving. And I don't think, I mean, Aubameyang isn't that kind of, kind of player. I assume, you know, it was like, we'll give it to the next most senior player. Yeah. Um, I think and we want him to sign a new deal. And we want him to sign a new deal. <laughs> and that's why we can't take him off until the 85th minute because it's probably in his contract or something. I don't know. Uh, but but the, 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 we, I don't know we have the player there yet who could do that. I mean, I was very hopeful of Partey, but he hasn't been there long. Xhaka isn't the shouter. Uh, Louise can lead, but you know, he, he makes mistakes as well. Um, it needs, to he's not to it needs to be a long-term appointment. It needs to be a long-term appointment. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I agree with the TNE just the other night where, where no, the, after the Spurs one, the, the video clip was going viral on Twitter about, you know, come on, guys, we're going to fucking score. And, and it's kind of that's what you need. Um, and so he's, he's the one displaying it at the moment. Um, I'm not sure that uh, someone's just said that it's been a curse. In recent yeah, seasons, don't, don't give it to Tierney. Don't give it to Kate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at the yeah. moment, I mean, it's difficult to sign somebody and then make them captain. I mean, if they're going to make a big signing uh, in the summer. But I, I don't, yeah. I mean, again, creative players aren't great captains either because sometimes they, although I think Erdogan's different to another MO, for example, um, he, he, in that he does chase back, he rolls up his sleeves, he will fight. Um, I think you just need somebody who is talismanic physically as well as ver verbally. Gabriel, Gabriel, I suppose, is the other candidate. Yeah, he could, he could certainly. My, be. Mer, oh, sorry, Olaf, just uh, just close us off then, just with your thoughts on the mentality side before we wrap up. Yeah, yeah, my, my, yeah the, the strange thing is that if you look at someone, and again, this is going to, I'm not trying to be controversial, 
But if you look at someone like Xhaka as an example, forget the football skills, but if you look at the way he talks when he gets interviewed, if you look at the way uh, for the Swiss national team, he is the kind of on the field leader that you that you want um, and and that you need. The one who would most probably after the first goal would have called everybody into a huddle and sort of shut all over them and said, "Hang on, what the hell are we doing?" As an example, or at least at two 0 down, he's got that from his uh, from that Germanic and and um, um, kind of perspective. But he but but that goose is now cooked, so it's it's not a it's not a discussion. But we don't really have anybody else in the team that is incredibly strong and incredibly vocal, as an example, as Dave and and, Merv and and you, Chris, were pointing out, that would be a natural thing. There's also the ego involved. If you're going to take the, the captaincy away from Aubameyang, what does that do and what does it say about you as a club? Is that correct? And then, and then the next, but then you're going to have to live with, if we take it away, then it's also the issue of, then I'm going to ask for a transfer or I'm going, whatever the case is, or you need to sell me because my ego can't be arriving in these multicolored Lamborghinis, but now all of a sudden you're taking the captaincy away from me, whereas you were producing special videos for me literally literally six, eight months ago. So that's the difficulty as well. We, I think that that is over and above somebody as strong as, as Mikkel and well-spoken. I think that there is a need, as everybody's pointed out, for a strong captain and the issue that we have at the moment is that it's a double-edged sword. You've got to take it away from someone who potentially believes he has the right to it right now uh, because of the importance he has to the team. And then there, and the person that you would potentially replace him with, Kiratini, being as young as he is, you would go, well, what the hell does that guy know? Uh, he's lucky he's well, not playing it. Yeah, he might be 23, but he's been playing top-flight football for five years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's not forget... Let's not forget that Tony Adams as well was captain at like eight, what is it, 18, 19? So 18, yeah. It's also, without sounding Wenger-esque, it is a, a team responsibility. I always remember an interview with Thierry Henry uh, when they were talking about how he kind of developed at the beginning he didn't seem the player he ended up. And he said, I always know what I was supposed to do because I had Lee Dixon shouting at me for 90 minutes telling me where I was supposed to be and what I was doing wrong. Um, mm. And we don't have that kind of collective responsibility because a lot of the players are young. A lot haven't played together. The team rotates. It's kind of until we have the unit, which we're kind of building in midfield and attack, I suppose. So we've got a unit with everybody there. Uh, and we need those couple of old heads that, 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 who can do that and shout at the others and kind of constantly pick them up. Mm. Yeah, yeah, party, I mean, party, may, party may be that player. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I've seen enough yeah. to know how good he is, but we're not seeing it consistently. He didn't have pre-season with us. You know, he's been injured. I know we keep making excuses, but he, yeah, I've, I watched him at left Coventry. He, he's, he's a class act, you know. Um, yeah. So he, it could be him, you know. Who he, knows? It could actually be. He's a, he is a good player, and I take your point there, Dave. I remember one thing that always struck in my head, which is what you used to say about Aaron Ramsey, is he needs a run of games before he really hits form. I think that's the same for most footballers, and Thomas Partey just hasn't had that. And knowing our luck, hopefully he'll get that run of games now. He seems to have shaken off any kind of his... Is, uh, is, is fitness um, issues. So, so let's keep our fingers crossed. But hey, look, ultimately, lads, we've come away fr from uh, from the London Stadium, that absolutely soulless bowl of a stadium um, with, a, with a point. And 
we keep going. We keep, you know, it's not it's not a defeat. We're into the next round against against Slavia Prague um, in the Europa League. That suddenly seems to have opened up, and I don't know about you guys, but I certainly fancy my chances. That's I fancy our chances there. It's been. Jimmy, we don't boycott. Jimmy, we don't boycott the game, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They might even be kicked out in the next couple of days because UEFA seriously does have to take a stand. Um, it, it, cannot... it will never happen. It, no, it, it won't. Never. It okay. Will, it won't happen. But more chance of Nicholas shorts being fined again than Slavia Prague being knocked out of the FA Cup. I mean. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and on that fabulous note, uh, I think we'll call a uh, we'll call time on today's proceedings. Um, thank you very much, as always, for joining me in the virtual pub, David. Thank you very much. Good to see you, mate. Olaf. Good to see you as thank always, you. sir. Yep, thank you. And uh, have a, we have a bank holiday tomorrow, so uh, good luck to, and the start of your week tomorrow. Every yeah, day is a bank holiday at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. And Merv, um, have a good one. Have you and your fabulous orange cushions in the background. Hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Cheers, and guys. you guys too. Thanks and for we will see you. And we will see you next time on the uh, post-match podcast uh, after an international break. Ladies all, up the Arsenal.